0: Good New York, is The Harvester, Colin Atrophy. Uh, welcome to the 10th episode of Radio Harvester, what we talk about when we talk about pizza. And this month's guest is Cindy Crabb from Doris Dean. And that is pretty cool uh, for me for a number of reasons. Because uh, A, Cindy is my friend. B, Cindy has a lovely voice and it makes for pleasant radio. And C, Uh, Doris zine, I think, is one of the most important fanzines in the history of fanzines. Um, So for those unfamiliar, Doris is a punk political personal zine that um, it has documented over the past 20 years in very uh, intense detail Cindy's trauma history cindy's uh... attempts to work through that trauma history cindy's alcoholism and uh, more recent sobriety which resonated with me She did. she's done other zines besides Doris too, she did this one called Filling the Void that was all interviews with punks who were getting sober outside AA and that was one of the most important things for me to read when I was quitting booze um, and I think Her zines did a really wonderful thing and I talk about it towards the end of the interview where I think they just really blew it wide open in terms of the the conversation going on publicly about trauma and recovery and how that can look and how that should look and how it doesn't need to look any particular way. And so I'm really lucky to have talked to her and here she is. (laughs) originally. Do you want is that okay subject yeah, matter? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like what what yeah. part of the country did you Okay,
1: grow? so I grew up like in the suburbs outside of Minneapolis. Um, like sort of the lower class. well first middle class suburbs, then lower class suburbs okay. like outside of Minneapolis. And uh, spent a lot of time in Minneapolis as a teenager in that sort of Minneapolis scene. Actually like I wasn't really like a punk then, you know? Like okay. I couldn't it was like it was like I felt like I was like too like too late to be a punk like punk
0: had already ended
1: punk had already like kinda yeah pretty much ended by like 84 (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay fair enough so like so like uh you know like punk had happened already and like you know like the replacement's first album now that was really good but like they'd already like sold well they hadn't sold out but like Sonic or um What's Husker the other? Who's du-, du. had sold out. you know du- like, sold out. So it was like, you know, things were over. Yeah. You know, this was sort of when I came in. I didn't know any of the band's names, sure. you know? Sure. And, uh, but it was sort of like, you know, New Wave was kind of ha- starting to happen. So it was like, you know, it was like before that Jocks listened to the Violent Femmes, you know? Right. So like we would listen to the Violent Femmes and then like the Cockatoo Twins and stuff like that. You know Sick. what I mean? Yeah, I love it. And then we would like go downtown to like, um... The, like arts theater, and there would be like the... But I still like loved like punk, like I wanted to know more about punk, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like everybody else that I knew that was like weirdos were like punks over. And I was like, but what was it? You know, like I read like the Nancy's Nancy's book, you know, I don't want to live this life, you know? I don't know that book. Oh, really? Yeah. Nancy function's mom wrote it or something? Oh, no. <laughs>
0: Wait, really? (laughs) Okay, I need to read that. i need to get that out of the library. That was
1: like a real life changer for me, you know? I was just like... Is it a cautionary tale? Yeah, it's like, you know, don't do the drugs, you know? Right, and then you're like,
0: I'm going to do all the drugs.
1: No, I never did do the drugs. I was like abused by drug addicts, so like I didn't... I was like, that's okay. But I ended up like dating a lot of drug users, you know? But like... But I was always like, I'm never going to do that, you know? Yeah, fair enough. But I read like... I was obsessed with like reading any cautionary tales about... Stuff like that, yeah. And um, I don't know, but we would like go downtown to like the art theater, and uh, you know, like the Joy Division movie came out. I don't know, but there'd be like the exploited punks like across the street, you know, you posers, like that kind of stuff. They were calling you
0: posers, or who were calling them posers.
1: Yeah, they were calling us posers, and I was like, man, I just don't think like those are the punks, like. But I know that there's got to be the punks somewhere. Like it's always just this thing that I didn't know where it was or how to find it.
0: So how did you leave? Like, why did you, what's the...
1: I left to, like, go to college, actually. Mm -hmm. I went to, like, Vermont. I tried to get that as far away. Yeah. And and I went to college for, like, a year, and then, like, it wasn't, like, financially feasible, you know? Yeah. But I got, like, politicized when I was there and became, like, an anarchist. Like, I didn't know about anarchism other than, like, Circle A style. Right. But, like... Then I started reading, like, anarcho-feminist stuff and, like, situationism, social ecology.
0: Yeah. That's a good trajectory. I, think, I feel like I've said trajectory, like, 40 times. I
1: don't think so. Okay. Thank you me. just thought it. But, yeah, it was interesting because, like, so, like, I was, like, an anarchist. I was, like, you know, in the first black bloc, actually. Ever? <laughs> yeah, in America. I mean, they were happening in Germany. Yes!
0: Wow! <laughs> Cool,
1: lots <laughs> awesome. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and that was fun, and and then you know I really thought like the revolution was gonna happen. Right. You know what I mean? Like I was like, we gotta learn to fix our cars on our by ourselves. Like, sure. Yeah. We gotta learn to build. Shit. Like we gotta put out the propaganda. Like it's gonna come down. The revolution's gonna happen. Like, yeah. Soon. You know. And then like. This was
0: like wh- what year was this? Like ninety one. Okay. When you're still in Vermont.
1: Yeah, and then I moved back to Minneapolis to take care of my mom, who was like dying from alcoholism, and joined this like affinity group, this like political collective affinity group. And then I really, like, I was like, not only is the revolution going to happen, but like it's going to happen with like this little group of people. You know what I mean? (laughs) But, like, it sort of fell apart. Like, they just didn't like me as much as I wanted them to. They didn't have the same, like, we're creating our, like, our family forever. We're going to stick together forever and make the revolution happen together. What was their deal? They were just, like, they were more, like, <laughs> realistic. But I was like, we're going to be the yeah. best of friends, you know?
0: Forever and ever and ever. It
1: took me a while to figure out that that we weren't going to make the revolution together. Right. Then I got really disillusioned then I moved to Portland I was actually still fascinated with punks when I lived in Portland yeah there was like we had Rosebud Commons we were like the hippie like activists Want to be activist house and then there was like the pirate house which is where the punks lived you know and i was like who are those uh, those are the class enemy like punks are the class enemy you know what i mean
0: wait why are punks the class enemy i
1: don't know the people i loved with just thought that punks were middle all middle class kids. okay fair enough yeah. you know what i mean and so like anyway then i moved to the bay area i was still like what? who are these punks you know right <laughs> and i was also like the revolution's not happening and then i met like uh Chris Gambin and a couple other kids who were like punks over like Green Day just signed you know like they were just like oh like, punks over, you know? and you I just did, like missing it. Totally met them, like, on that, like, disillusioned level. I was just like, I don't know what you guys are talking about or, like, how punk was ever supposed to change anything, but, like, I'm feeling you know, on this dis- disillusioned level. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> I
0: can get with this sense of just, like, bleak yeah. misery.
1: Yeah. But then I became a total punk. You right. Know, I mean, they were, like, punks over, but they were, like, total punks, and we were all punks, and then punk was...
0: I feel like part of punk identity has been talking, like, bemoaning the fact that punk is over.
1: <laughs> yeah, since, like, 85. <laughs> yeah, right?
0: Like, maybe literally since before I was born.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: And, like, I feel like punk ended for some people in 79. Yeah, for sure, definitely, yeah. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. Did you finally feel like you were allowed, like... Did you? When did you self-identify as a punk? Was it, like, not until you moved to the Bay?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, even then, I was, like... I had never even listened to punk music. Whoa. I mean, like, I liked the X album, the country X album.
0: <laughs> Which one? I don't know. Under was it a radio show. It was sort yeah. of, like, country. It
1: sounded country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And, like... And, I mean, I had friends. Like, I was friends with some of the girls and babes in Toyland and stuff like that. But I didn't, like, listen to that music, you know? Then I met, like, um... Uh... You know Jesse Michaels and Aaron, and I was sure. like, and I got their records, you know, and then I brought them home, and my sisters like, we don't have to start listening to punk music now, do we? You know, and I'm like, let's just give it a shot, you know. <laughs> we could try this. And it was really great, and then yeah. we just got more and more into it, and like, and like, uh, access the rage, you know. Yeah. And that was good.
0: That's what it's all about.
1: Yeah. And then I became a gutter punk. That's when I started defining myself as a punk more. Was when I started just like hanging out in the gutter, in the tenderloin, yes. drinking 40s
0: drinking with the others. Come f- street <laughs> with the scum.
1: Society, sobriety, everybody. in is the
0: scum. I guess what was different when I read Doris was that it didn't feel journaly. Like, exactly. It felt like it felt like deliberate. Pros, I like think that's the very diff- that's the big difference between my scene
1: and the and a lot of the other scenes from that time was like they were more like purgy journaly right. kind of stuff or like dogmatic kind of stuff and I like really consciously worked to create something really different that combined like reflection, <coughs> c- confession and politics in a way that was concise but yet really really open I mean I really edit I edited stuff
0: right (laughs) I feel like I think about everything or like a lot of things in terms of the dynamics of a hardcore show or whatever but like you know that thing where the show is too packed and like some some dude wants to mosh yeah so he puts his arms out and falls backwards yeah yeah and then makes space for everybody to get in and like do their dancing or whatever yeah I feel like I call it pit clearance yeah right like that's the name of the move is pit clearance I feel like in like a kind of cultural sense like Doris sort of did Pit Clearance this scene that you did that has been pretty important to me reading it over the years as like a person struggling with trauma a person uh, trying to do like weird DIY therapy yeah. and a person and a writer yeah uh, like I, I imagine it as like this sort of this space that you created that wasn't there before
1: yeah I think I mean thank you you're welcome. <laughs> and I do think it's true. I mean, I think that I never thought it would be successful at creating a space for people to be able to self-reflect on their on their trauma histories and be able to, like, move forward with it in ways that weren't scripted, but that they could, like, right. find themselves. And, and I think it has somehow done that, you know, like, created, like, an example of, like, I mean, it's like, there's so few examples in our culture, in any of our any of the cultures that I've been a part of that show like that we can be like really smart, self-critical without like trying to kill, without like destroying ourselves with criticism and like, and that like we can learn from our lives and embrace our lives
0: okay thank you so much to Cindy Crab for being on my radio show for being my friend for uh, being there for me when I've been super up at points in my life and uh, it's much appreciated my pal uh, thank you thank you very much uh, earnestly from the bottom of my heart um, if you want to check out Cindy Zine's Doris, Doris, Doris.com, that's where you can get those. Um, thanks also to DJ Bosch for helping me edit this time around. I think we did a pretty good job. Thanks to hardcore band Warhead for this inspirational number. That's the bed music right now. Never give up off the lost self and beating heart. Something or other, I don't know. I don't actually own it, uh, DJ Bosch. Burn me a copy on CD because neither of us are punk who burn CDs. Thank you to AK 77 for writing that song uh, that got massively bleeped but was the right song for the moment. And uh, rest in peace to Andrew and the Wipers, obviously, uh, for capturing the doom and gloom of Portland so accurately. And thanks to Cara Occulta for writing the theme song before, years before radio harvester even existed and that's it so thank you for listening and no thank you to all pigs worldwide and no thank you to the heteropatriarchy and global capitalism and f billy joel f your negative attitude we are the punks